1: Meet Calvin. Hi. Calvin won 50 bucks off his roommate. That's because Calvin has the iHeartRadio app.
0: iHeartRadio. Which
1: he used to make a pasta song playlist. I'm a junior-key. Calvin blasted this on repeat after betting his roommate couldn't complete a four-day juice cleanse. Oh, I can. The song Proper Pappardelle pushed him over the edge. Mm, I love carbs. Good thing Calvin is one of millions with the iHeartRadio app. Download it today and get paid to ruin your roommate's stupid cleanse. Like Calvin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 136. Uh, happy New Year, everyone, and I hope you all had a good holiday. I hope you got some waves or got outside, spent time with your family and friends, whatever it is that makes you happy. Um, you know, it seems like uh, the older we all get, you know, the more valuable and, and the more uh, obvious that value is that, that these moments have. So, um, yeah, I hope you all got some of your own regardless of your age. The Lineup Podcast is back. Uh, Professional surfing is back. And we have quite the year shaping up for the world's best surfers starting almost immediately. This week, we have the Sambazon WSL Junior Championships hosted by Best Western at Seaside Reef in San Diego. This is the most important junior event on the planet with the best junior surfers from around the globe battling one another in hopes of joining the ranks of past World Junior Champions like Andy Irons, Jesse Miley-Dyer, Joel Parkinson, Sally Fitzgibbons, Jordy Smith, Isabella Nichols, Adriana Souza, and many more. The World Juniors is the benchmark for identifying future greatness in surfing, and the winners of the Samazon WSL Junior Championships hosted by Best Western will be seeded directly into this year's Challenger Series, so it is a big deal. The event will stream live on WorldSurfLeague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. And we are dropping this first episode of 2023 mere weeks out from the start of this season's championship tour with the world's best surfers starting the year at the Billabong Crow Pipeline on January 29th. With the biggest stakes in surfing on offer and the return of some previously injured apex hunters on tour, This season is truly setting up to be a clash of the titans on both the men's and women's side. I can't wait. All right, episode 136. Uh, Today's guest is someone who uh, perfectly bridges that introduction, actually. The 2009 then ASP World Junior Champion, winning it at just 17 years young. And now after a decade-long campaign on first the qualifying series and then the challenger series he will now be joining the world's best surfers as a rookie on the 2023 championship tour. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Francis Maxime Houssineau.
0: The good old clap take one. That's right.
1: How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did, I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest?
0: We can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put him up once, let's go.
1: He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. (laughs) I'm talking your box. All right. um, Happy New Year, everyone. The lineup is back and we have none other than the... 2009 then ASP World Junior Champion, you won it at 17 years young, a longtime campaigner on the Qualifying Series, then the Challenger Series, and now a 2023 Championship Tour Rookie on the eve of the start of the season, Maxime Husano, Thanks so much for joining us on the lineup for our first episode of 2023.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and discussing with you and with the team, and it's awesome. I mean, what a what a what a life! <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's it's our pleasure. And as someone who's, man, you've been around a long time. I've been around a long time. I've I was I've I've followed your career so closely. I'm excited to talk today. Um, you know, before we get going, a a bit of a scene setter. W- where are you recording from today? Where are you
0: at? Yeah. Um. So right now I'm in Rainy Island. So this is where I'm raised and. I'm not I'm not born here. I born in France, but I got here when I was two weeks years old. So I pretty much grew up my entire life here. So I'm right now I'm in Reunion Island. Right. And and
1: obviously, you know, we've spoken to Joanne DeFay before and, and you know Jeremy yeah. Flores is someone whose connection to Reunion Island. And yeah haven't heard a lot about it in recent years but obviously there was a a huge issue with sharks and shark attacks for a number of years for a location that has fantastic surf it's it it's hosted championship tour events in the past what Mm -hmm. has it been like there lately i mean you've been there for a while you obviously have a close connection to the place do you feel comfortable surfing you've been surfing over the break what's the what's the feeling on the island there
0: yeah um obviously we had about, uh, 10 years ago, the first few, um, shark attacks and the disaster with the, the shark crisis, we, we got through. Um, obviously we, we had a lot of, um, um, Problem issues that bring the shark around the coast and it made the huge clash between the surfers and the people of the ocean and the sharks. And, and obviously we couldn't go in the ocean anymore uh it was not like a safety place and was completely uh with a lot of sharks in the water and was very dangerous for years but we slowly uh, with the years um, improve all these problems and react to all of those problems and try to slowly find solution and make the best environment for both sharks and and surfers and people in the ocean so we are getting there slowly. Um, there's been the last few five years with a lot of improvement, a lot of testing. Um, so s- different security things that happened. There's obviously um, there was some study on the sharks. Uh, there's been a few fishing. There's been uh, some uh, sharks um, uh, uh, repellent I think in English, it says, uh, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah. RPI area repellent. So it's like system Mm -hmm. on the board, electric system. So there's a few testing things. And then there's a few different systems that allowed us to surf. So the last few years been a lot of improvement and we feel a lot more safe to go in the, in the water nowadays than the last few years. Right. So we are very happy just to be able to enjoy the the ocean on our island because it's just a paradise. <laughs> of course. So I'm that's
1: great to hear. And did you surf today? And if so where where'd you surf?
0: Yeah uh, I did surf. I, I surfed in the south in Saint Pierre. You know that right that Jordi make it famous <laughs> surfing so good there. Yeah the one at uh, the one it, by it, the harbour there, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The one uh, they made you there with Julian and they did the Modern collective film before, uh, so I served there. Yeah, I yeah. haven't served there for like twelve years, so it was pretty cool. Like I went back the last three days. Oh, there. that's cool. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that that's that's
1: good. We'll, well, we're gonna pause on reunion. I'm sure we'll get back to it in the next yeah, segment. Yeah. But but back to yeah, the, the point, you know, after after a decade, maybe more, <laughs> on the qualifying series and the cha- uh, challenger <laughs> series. You've now yeah. made it to the Elite Championship Tour. You clinched at the the final event in Haleiwa. What what were your thoughts heading into that final event? And, and how did it feel to come out of the water, be greeted by Travis Logie and confirm that, that you've made the Dream
0: Tour? Yeah, that was pretty heavy. Um, obviously, doing it for a lot of years, uh, I knew the pressure of being in Hawaii and having to do it there. And in i think it was 2014 and 15 oh, 2015 and 16 i had the same thing like being in the top 10 going to hawaii and i just blew it there and since there i was always like i need to be much better in hawaii and i need to focus there to do my best result in hawaii so i started to focus on that then the other years was my best result there but i wasn't doing anything during the year (laughs) on the other part. So this year I felt like, um, I was just doing everything right. So I was just thinking, all I need to do is just repeat the same thing that I was doing right in Hawaii and it will, it will do it, do it good for me. But it felt like the challenger series make the pressure much higher than the other years because everyone could follow the tour. Everyone knew about the ranking, each event, and the whole situation the whole year. So it felt like the pressure was even higher than all the other years, and right. I was just like uh, super happy to to be able to handle all that and still perform in Hawaii and still get a results and make it happen in the world. That was very special.
1: You know, you mentioned, that's interesting, you mentioned that the pressure felt higher because of the new Challenger series and everyone was focused yeah. on it. But, but I've had a few conversations with, with different people and they've said that, that, yes, there's more pressure, but it's less random than it used to be. And, and in the sense that now you have the regional qualifying series and then people use that to get onto this global Challenger series where the waves are a bit better it's sort of a fixed set of competitors. So it kind of eliminates that randomness and and people have actually brought yeah. you up. They've brought up, you know, Ian Gentile and Ramsey Bukium as sort of examples of these are people that kind of got lost under the previous system yeah. because it was so random, but they're world-class talents and, and this new system of the Challenger Series has actually allowed them to, it's been a bit more stable for their talent to flourish. Would, yeah. would you agree with that or?
0: Yeah, a lot more. I mean, um, obviously, if, if I compare to all my other years, like these lot of years where I lost qualification because I lost to Philippe in Huntington or Hitalo in Balito and right. some other guys in different right. country and you kind of get lost <laughs> right. with all these different events and you don't understand what's mm. going on, why he's having points and not or what's going on. Right, and yeah. with this contest, with always the same people and the same ways, we were like always compared to each other the whole year. So it was really right. like, who was the best surfer out of all these events against all each other with no one interfering really, even if there was a few events at the end that the guys interfered, but it wasn't that much mm. during the year. So it felt yeah. a lot more, uh, rivality a bit between everyone. And it was more about who is the best out of the challenger. And before was more like who was getting the points on the on the qualification. And there was so many events with so many guys. And it was just like a lot confusing, I felt like.
1: Right. Which yeah. this year felt that, that a lot so. more
0: like we get a group, we all get against each other. And we'll see who's the best out of, of this group. And it felt like that's what looks like a little yeah no
1: it's i agree and i then as someone who's was a fan and now i've been reminded by linkedin this is now my 18th <laughs> year at the company like I, I think it's one of the more exciting qualifying classes we've seen in a long long time you know i, I mentioned at the top you won the 2009 world junior championships at 17 years old and yeah. and our episode the first of the year is actually dropping during the window for the Sambazon World Junior Championships hosted by Best Western yeah, which is going to sure. be at Seaside Reef in San Diego. Uh, would you say that, you know, winning the 2009 WJCs, you were the first European to claim the men's world title, would you say that that yeah. essentially started the pressure for you to qualify? Did you say did, would you say that like winning that event changed everything in your life and now it was like okay now you have to qualify
0: yeah yes it it, it did it in a way um it's changed more but the people around me um before i was Mm. uh when i was 16 i I won the king of the grubs which was kind of like the World junior things back then and i won the european junior secret so I was doing all those things really young and everyone was kind of like, wanted me to follow Jeremy's path and everyone was like, right. you're doing it younger than him, so you just got to keep going. And and when I won the World mm. Juniors, as I got hard for all the QS events, everyone was like, oh, you need yeah. to go. You should go there. You can qualify. Jeremy did it. You do it better than him, even younger, so you should go out there and keep going. And it kind of like almost pushed me like too young to go there, Mm, but in a sense, like, so it kind of like put me on the map, that title and everyone was, I was just an underdog, no one really knew about me except people from Europe, but on the world stage, this contest really like put me on the map and on the surfing world, but From there, it felt like everyone then was expecting me to qualify like in the next two years, (laughs) which was a little bit like... Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not that easy for every junior to get your body and and your level ready because every... I mean, I feel like there's the junior level, the QS level, the top challenger that qualify, the CT, the top 10, the top five. I mean, the world title, every every stage felt like a different level and then sometimes right. people think like you on the top of one level you can already move to the next one and, and but it's not really working always like that in a way right so so i would say like well, yeah when i won that thing everyone was expecting me to already qualify <laughs> it was pretty crazy <laughs> well it's interesting you bring that up too right because we, we
1: talk about that a lot where you know surfing's always progressing and you know sponsors and the media and social media and web clips and everything they love you know young exciting you know yeah. the 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 tip of the spear on progressive surfing which a lot of young surfers yourself included have been sort of at the vanguard at in the in the past but yeah. i'm sure you agree with this we've seen it time and again where jumping from the juniors to the qs people don't appreciate physically like how much bigger the surfers are stronger faster you know how technical they are and then even from the qs to the ct it's sort of another level as you pointed out like there's levels to it so you know winning the the world junior championships at 17 is great it put you on the map but as you said it's like that pressure isn't really fair for a young person who probably hasn't even physically matured into an adult yet to to do it so quickly
0: yeah that that's really what happened to me like uh obviously the junior also is uh i would say judging on the on the really technical side which was what i was doing really Mm -hmm. good and when you get on the qs the physical part gets more into it with the technical part and you need to mix both and the tactic is very different as well and you get all these experienced surfers that have really good strategy in every kind of condition. So this all this mix that when you're a junior sometime you didn't face yet and you get all this information mm. straight away and it's just something new mm. that you're restarting and sometimes it's just take more time than than others like to just get into that that old knowledge of the QS because it's completely different than the juniors like Obviously, if you look at the QS, even this year, everyone that qualify is pretty much of my age, uh, of right. my generation, I would say, except uh, Rio and uh, Leo that are a little bit younger, but all the others are around my age. And if you think about it, that's mean like, I was, if I'm facing an 18 years old guy is facing juniors that been doing it for 12 years so we have juniors every year of for 12 years so we can have 12 different champion for each different years and facing on on the on the qs at the same time so that's all this (laughs) this mix of guy and it feels like sometime you get one title at one age but then you get on the big stage it's everyone is there so it's completely a much right. bigger pack. <laughs> so.
1: No, I think that's a really good point. And, and you know, we mentioned that this year's uh World Junior Championships is going to be at Seaside Reef. The 2009 event that you won was at North Narrabeen. And you beat, yeah. in that event, Owen Wright, Nat Young, Alejo Munez, and Jadson Andre to win the title. Yeah. All surfers who have gone on to make <laughs> a surfers. huge impact yeah. on the championship tour. And, and winning that event for you... Etches your name alongside the likes of of other past WSL junior champions like Andy Irons and Joel Parkinson, Adriano D'Souza, Jordy Smith. So, as you pointed out, like you were probably well known regionally before that event, but that, that event winning it like transformed your identity on the international stage.
0: Yeah, fully, completely. I mean, I'm not sure I have to check it again, but I thought like everyone that I beat that year qualified. <laughs> so, right, yeah, I was yeah. like,
1: wow. <laughs> that's got to feel good though, right? You're like, yeah. oh, I can do it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was Two like, years, I'm going to do it in may- one year.
1: What are you talking about? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe I helped them mentally to get there. I don't know, but it was pretty crazy. And, right, right. And yeah. the year, the year before, I I bet also Dusty Payne that almost won the the Triple Crown, and I was like, wow, I beat all those sure. guys in Narrabeen, So, I I mean, I definitely can do it. But then, I was just uh, I don't know. I think I was just in the rhythm with Narabeen, and I did just uh, amazing events. And I had the I mean, the potential is there. But then on the QS was a different things, and it mm. just took it a little bit yeah. longer. But obviously i just didn't quit in my potential and yeah, i got it
1: <laughs> i love it well we're going to we're going to in the next segment we're going to we're going to go back and, and go through some of those gaps but <laughs> um but b- back to qualifying just to round out that conversation yeah what happens for you after Hollyiva in December? You know, we know you're in a reunion now, but what do you <laughs> do? Where do you go? Did you party? Did you train? Did you travel? Did you rest? Knowing that just in a few short weeks the show is going to start with the Billabong Pro Pipeline, like w- w- what was your
0: kind of routine after Hollyiva? Yeah. Um, so the the night right after the event, um, I had few beers and I was like. Oh, I wanted to have a, a good night, and I was like, I was already thinking. But what? Wait, pipe is like soon, so I might just not do it. <laughs> so I was kind of like in a confused <laughs> mode. Yeah, like I didn't party the whole year, and I was like, the contest is already next month, so I I can't really do it too. So I was like, just having a few beers and I enjoy the moment. But then the next day, I was already thinking right. like, okay, I need to start to think of my boards and. And how I'm going to get ready and where is the, the schedule for the events because I didn't look at it. Like right. I was so f- right, focusing yeah. on trying to do it right in Haliva that I was not projecting myself on tour yet. And so right, right. I had to look again on the schedule and which travel I needed to do. So I stayed a couple of days in Hawaii. I just got a few waves and it was pretty cool. Uh, just to surf on the relaxed mode and get a few bars at pipe and surf sunset and other places, Rockies. And so it was cool. And then I went back to Europe for a week. I went to uh, Portugal and France a little bit. It was pretty freezing mm. <laughs> and then yeah, I right. got back <laughs> in rain. rain yeah. and then I got back to reunion and I had a good celebration with my family and friends that were coming uh, really big here. I was pretty cool. Um, did a lot of TVs and media things. Um, and then I start mm-hmm. to enjoy Christmas and all these New Year's, but start to get ready as well physically. And I slowly starting to surf again the last week, like get back to it. Interesting. So, so do you,
1: and, and I know everyone's different. Do you go through periods where you'll have a day or several days or a week where you go, no, I'm not surfing. It's just boards down. I'm going to reset. I'm going to do something else. Or are you the kind of person that has to surf every day?
0: Um, I like to surf every day. But obviously, the last two years, I start to slow down a bit on a few days. Like I'm taking some days off where I'm not surfing. Um, I'm taking some moments with just enjoying my time with my wife as well. And I just find out that I'm a lot better if I just reset a little bit, relax and get back to it. Right. Sometimes I'm always into it, uh, doesn't feel right for me, but I don't get much day off. <laughs> I would say like once, <laughs> like not once a week, but once every two weeks, like, so it's not that much. <laughs> but I surf all the time. Yeah. I surf, well, two, sense. I surf like, two or three times yeah. a day. Right, <laughs> 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 yeah. So you, <laughs> you
1: keep up. Well, that, that's interesting. Yeah, up. <laughs> interesting to hear. We're going we're gonna to take a, a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors, yeah. and we'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. As surfing makes its impressive showcase for the second time at the Olympic Games Paris 2024, Samsung is capturing every epic moment through a new series and a celebration of our culture, bringing the spirit and stories of surfers, including Joanne de John John Florence, and Jack Robinson to the forefront. Want to dive deeper into our world? Visit youtube.com slash Samsung. So before the break, we, we talked about you're in Reunion Island. That, that's, that's a place that feels like home for you, but actually born in France, which is, which is you know, your, your other home. But, but what tell us about that. Where, you know, what, what was your family like? Mom, dad, do you have brothers, sisters? Like, and and where, what was it like early on growing up? And, and was it in France? Was it in Reunion? Was it a mixture yeah. of both?
0: Um so I I born in France and then I arrived in Reunion I was 2 weeks years old so I was a baby and uh, <laughs> we moved uh, with my parents and my sister I have an older sister and uh, I grew up my entire life in Reunion Island so I did uh, all my years of schools here and my parents always lived here my sister never moved my parents never moved and i moved to france uh when i was about 18 years old i think that's where um, i bought a place there and i start to go there all the time i was just coming back to reunion for uh, christmas and new year to spend time with my family but the, the entire year i was living in france and doing the old tour from france so my place right. is in uh, Cap Breton, in Occoore, so I always base my place there. <laughs> so I'm doing a bit post. Interesting. And so, wh- why, why,
1: wh- why did your parents move to Reunion? What, what were they doing there? <laughs>
0: um, so my dad was working uh, as a AC. Um, is that how you call it? the AC cold um, things? Yeah, air conditioning. Yeah. Condition, like, air yeah, condition, yeah. 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 And as well as uh, English, fr- yeah, yeah. yeah, as well as fridge, um, so all these kind of things. So he was uh, um, electrician. Uh, that's how we say in France. I'm not sure mm-hmm. in English, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, same. <laughs> he had yeah, he has his job, and he had an opportunity in Reunion, So he decided to go there. He could. He could. We are from uh, next to Lyon, so which is uh, around yeah. the. Uh, Alp, which is the East, Southeast of France. Um, so I've never been there. I mean, I've been there once in my life, <laughs> but yeah, <Right>. so he's <laughs> from, he is from there. And, uh, so he decided to move to Reunion cause he loved it, the place. And he yeah. could choose between the Caraib, uh, between Ossogor or Biarritz and, and Reunion And he decided to go to Reunion and with my mom and we just yeah, all right. moved there and we just never lived.
1: lucky you and and you mentioned going to school there what 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 did did your dad surf did you have friends how did you get into surfing and and did you do other things
0: like soccer or anything (laughs) cricket yeah um i was doing soccer when i was young Uh, my dad was a soccer player so it was uh, a lot easier and everyone playing Mm -hmm. soccer in france um i just had two left uh foot so it wasn't really for me but (laughs) Um, I was just, <laughs> that's what we say in France. Like if you have like, two yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> but, so I get into surfing because, um, my, my parents were divers. So once they were going on oh, the okay. weekend to dives, uh, they were, uh, dropping my sister and I to, um, uh, school, I mean, not a school it was a club and a sporting club. Yep that was next to uh, the harbor and they were doing a lot of sports Mm -hmm. uh so we had soccer tennis uh basketball a lot of different things and there was surfing as well so i got into surfing Mm -hmm. like that and i just starting with a little bodyboard and i was just standing on the body doing 360s and getting on the waves following the wave and and then the guys like like, why are you not surfing on the board? It's much easier than just on the bodyboard that is sliding. <laughs> so I just end up starting surfing like that. And I got into surfing that way. It was pretty cool. Well, now that's interesting because I've obviously
1: watched you surf and you are incredibly athletic and coordinated and an amazing <laughs> surfer. And it sounds like you took to surfing even on a bodyboard pretty well at an early age but then you said you have two left feet when you play soccer are you one of those people who is not very coordinated on land but you get in the water and you're like a different creature what's going on yeah
0: i mean no i wasn't i wasn't that bad in football but i wasn't i was not gonna be the new mbappé that's for sure but (laughs) i was just like i was like it was i don't know I felt so, so good in the water that I just wanted to be in the water all the time. Mm. And since I started to surf, I just never stopped it. It's pretty crazy to think back. Uh, I just never thought one second about stopping surfing. And I never thought about something else. It felt like since I started surfing, was everything mm. got out of my way. And it was just that feeling that I wanted to get all the time. Yeah. And... I get everything quick. I started when I was like nine years old. Um, which could feel a little bit late nowadays. Guys starting at three but <laughs> sure. back then yeah. was kinda of early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> 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 but yeah, I was I started at nine years old and I, I when I was about ten years old I already started to compete and I got good mm. quite quick. I I was beating guys that was twelve years old in reunion mm. island and uh, I've got yeah. seen by good clubs on the island that wanted to support me and, and try to uh, help me. And then back then, we had, uh, which call it's not a French team, but it was a reunion federation that had a team. They were picking the mm-hmm. best uh, surfers at a young age and they make a group and they were making a deal with the school that every day we could leave the school two hours earlier than most of the other guys, so we could go out and surf and train. <laughs> so I was on this program right. with all of the other ya- young guys and couple couple have hit the QS, I mean, there was Roma Croat, um Hugo Savali, uh, Medivh Minardi, mm-hmm. This Adrian Toyon. This couple of those guys that hit on the QS. We were all part of this group. When I was young, Joanne de Fe started with me as well on this group, and so we were like right, about right. like 10, 12 kids. So it was pretty cool. We we pushed each other for a while. Uh, that was cool. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's a good deal. Getting pulled out of school two hours early to get trained to surf. That was cool. Yeah, that was sick. <laughs> You know, you, you mentioned a few names there, many of them recognizable, and, and it does seem that, you know, you could, you could start surfing, you could be really, really good, but having good waves like you have in Reunion Island, and maybe more importantly, a strong community to help you get good is important. You, you, you mentioned Joanne Defay. you know, Jeremy Flores is another surfer that has a close connection to Reunion Island. You know how much of an impact, I guess specifically with Joanne and Jeremy, did they have on you at a young age? Did you know them? You, met, you mentioned training with Joanne, but did you know Jeremy very young, or was he someone you were yeah. watching from a distance? What What, what was the deal?
0: Um, so when I was when I started and was young, I just watched him from distance because he was not on the island anymore, and I just never get the chance to right. meet him. And it was pretty funny because I I. I went on a trip with my parents in Australia when I was uh, eleven and I just dreamed to go to Snapper because I was watching Tash Burroughs movies, Montage, uh Mick Fanning, yeah. um uh, uh fire um what's the movie? Um I don't remember Uh, fanning the fire whatever yeah finding the fire
1: and so
0: I just wanted to go there and surf snapper so I just end up going there and when I surfed there I got um I got seen by Dave Davidson that had the Quicksilver surf school there and I wanted to get a few Mm -hmm. lessons with him and he just um he just saw the level I had and was pretty surprised and amazed. So he just called uh, the Quicksilver guys to look after me. And there were Stephen Bell that was there. And there was uh, Spencer Argrave as well and a few other guys. Yep. And, uh, each day, one of them was watching me for an hour. <laughs> and every day was a different <laughs> guy, but I didn't know they were Quicksilver guys. Um, so after a week with them in Australia, surfing every day, they end up uh, getting me on the team. So I gone on the Quicksilver team in Australia and they invite me at the Quicksilver barbecue in snapper with the whole team. And I didn't know anybody. And I just ended up arriving there <laughs> at 11 and see everyone. And uh, there was Jeremy um there was anna ryu fredo there was a couple aussie guys there was julian and i was just like (laughs) i was just with my eyes all open like whoa (laughs) this is crazy so this is the first time i met jeremy which was pretty funny because i met him in australia out of nowhere (laughs) and and then we yeah so we got close for a few years, but then he was just doing his things and I was just following from distance. And Joan was a bit different because we grew up together and surf for years in reunion together. And, and then in France, the place she bought was next to mine as well. So we were almost neighbor in France. So we always been close <laughs> for like 10, 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> always following each other. That's pretty funny.
1: Well, I, that is really cool. I, I want to go back to the Australia tryout week, though, because... Yeah. <laughs> so how old are you at this point when, when you're in... I was um, e- When you're in Australia? Okay, so you, guys, right, you said 11. Excuse me. So you're 11 years yeah. old. You watch Montage and Fanning the Fire. You say, Mom and Dad, I want to go to the Gold Coast. Um, yeah. You You want to get some lessons from the surf school. The guy's like, this kid's really good. And then all of a sudden you're turning up every day and surfing for an hour and these random guys are watching you for an Did you know yeah. what it was for? You, you said you didn't know they were from Quicksilver, but did you, no. did it
0: feel like a tryout? Did you were, you, were you, what were you thinking? No, no, not at all. Because um, I was asking for surf lessons and obviously uh, I didn't know, but Dave, Dave Davidson was training some Quicksilver kids as well that was Mm. they were like 15 16 years old but they were from europe from england and other places but i didn't know i was just showing at the same time because he was saying that our our lesson is at six in the morning just come and we surf and we train so i was doing this surf lesson training (laughs) every day kind of program which was super cool and i just didn't know the whole week and just random guys were coming and I was like, I didn't care. I just surfed and surfed. And my parents, they didn't even know as well. They was just like right, letting right. me surf. And <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, you just when probably we, like, wow, Dave Davidson's got a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of teachers. Look at all these guys turning up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we just didn't know. I mean, maybe it was just local talking to him or whatever. And it was just end sure, up, yeah, the yeah, whole quick yeah. server guys. <laughs> That's so, crazy. so
1: when when you, you go to the barbecue and you finally meet Jeremy Flores, was he surprised that you were from Reunion Island too? Did he, did he say anything? Yeah. What, was, what was that like?
0: Yeah, it was weird. I mean, I I don't remember what he says, but I just remember his dad was super like surprised. Like, like how did you guys meet him? <laughs> like, uh, like he's from reunion. What, what what's going on here? Like, <laughs> he was a bit surprised, but I. You're just like I just signed up for a r- lesson, r- man. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like remember much about it, but I just remember that moment where. He was just surprised like, oh, I didn't know there was kids from England that was here.
1: <laughs> so that was pretty right, funny. Yeah. That is funny. And and obviously, geez, that relationship with Quicksilver at the time, you know, they're doing the young guns trips and they're they're sponsoring yeah. all this talent. You mentioned Stephen Bell, who is an institution unto himself, you know, Australian yeah. living in Europe and and created this massive infrastructure and has identified so much talent like that must have been transformative for you in your career signing with that program and getting to travel and getting you know all the training right um at that point in your career
0: yeah definitely i mean uh belly was my manager and and he just uh put me on the path to get to the world championship tour pretty much i mean like, put me on the young guns trip, uh, yep. get me to places, uh, with Dane and Kelly to watch them. Uh, I was with them in Portugal, in JB, watch them on the city. Um, so in Hawaii as well. So, all these things mm-hmm. like going on trips with all the team, going to Chile and Panama, and everywhere we to surf crazy waves. So, all those programs and all the good, um, coach, coach they had also like snake, yeah. uh, Tom Carroll, they had Martin Porter, all those guys that have so much knowledge and good advice to give to everyone. So it was like a really good thing as a young guys to get with, a. they had a big team as well. So it was really cool. Like very Great. international. Uh, with a lot of kids from australia america but as well from europe we had a really good uh, europe team and especially with pierre uh, making sure we had like a a good europe team so back then was like pretty pretty cool to grow up into that environment that's for sure
1: yeah and and i'm glad you brought that up too because i am curious because you were featured in young guns and and There's only so many spots on those trips, right, and in those programs. (laughs) And as you said, like, the team was huge. Like, they had, you know, like, outside of Europe, well, they had, like, Leonardo Fioravanti inside of Europe. But then, the you know, Kanoe Garashi, they had Mikey Wright, they had Jack Robinson. And then just dozens and dozens of of high-level talent around the world. Did it feel competitive inside the Quicksilver team for you where you're like I have to do better than this kid or I have to do better than that because it's still quite it's it's quite impressive that you were able to make it onto those programs given the level of talent on the team
0: yeah I mean it it was always competitive but um Mm. it was like each contest I was just winning Everyone, (laughs) every contest, every free (laughs) surf. And I I just ended up being there because I was like as good as all those kids. And I was, it was pretty crazy because we were all competitive together, but at the same time, we just wanted to do the best clips for the movies and then show the best Mm. surfing. And we were just all friends as well. So it was a little bit of everything that mixed up this mentality to push each other. But it was pretty cool. I mean, they did one trip to my home in Reunion as well with the whole team and they were all in my pool. So it was pretty crazy. <laughs> when I think back then I had Kanoa, Jack Robinson, Leo, Mickey Wright all in my pool, Matt Benning. <laughs> there was Balaran yeah, track. I mean we right. had a good crazy team. Like back we all had a good team. It was pretty good.
1: Yeah. And so, so that's great. That obviously amplifies your, your, the intensity of your trajectory as a professional surfer. You win yeah. the world junior championships in, in 2009, and then you go onto the qualifying series. And I know we talked about this a little bit in the first segment, but, but to go a little bit deeper, you know, you, you are an adult now, you're filled out, you're you're lean, but you're, you know, very strong. I remember when you won the World Juniors of like, this This kid's pretty lean, he's a small guy, <laughs> like, did, and did, <laughs> yeah. and of course, you know, but that, like, who is it? Yeah. Like, when, like, everyone's growing up and you're like, I'm, I'm a kid, what do you want me to do? Did you, w- were you aware of that when you were on the qualifying series facing, you know, 25-year-old, 30-year-old men and going like, man, i Maybe I'm a little faster. Maybe I've got airs and stuff that they don't have, but these guys are stronger than me, and that's that's hard.
0: Yeah, and well, when I, when I started the QS, I didn't know what to expect, so I was like, mm. let's see, and I put no pressure, and I see how I'm going to do it. And then first right. event I did right after uh, the World Juniors. The first QS was a, a cold water in Tasmania, and I went right there yeah. and I got to the quarters and I, there was yeah. like six foot perfect, right. And I was just like laying carbs, doing things clean and right. And I was getting scores and I just like make it to the quarters. And I was like, whoa, maybe I'm going to make it like, like, like this. Yeah. No problem. Then, yeah. So I, did, <laughs> Yeah. No problem. And then from there I start to every contest, boom, first round, second round, first round, second round. Mm-hmm. And I just like, didn't expect it and I just like slowly right. realized what was missing to my surfing in terms of physical condition and and all the other parts that I was a bit missing in my surfing. So I was very right. technical, but it wasn't a technical surfing that put my power out. It was just like, just right. all technical and tricks, but was like a little bit too kids, kids surfing in a way. Right. So I needed to improve all these parts to try to make it happen. And then obviously I did a lot of work to get there and I had to change my, my board equipment as well, because I could Mm. surf really good in a five foot days in a six foot surf, because that's what I grew up in reunion and I had the line and the surfing and I, I can surf in any condition. That's not a problem, but to get scores. Mm. And to be able to beat the best guys in every condition, I didn't have the best material to do it all the time. So it took yeah. me a while to understand it as well. Like I thought like the condition were limiting my surfing because the condition were bad. And I didn't understand right. that with other board, I could push my surfing in limited condition. So mm-hmm. all these elements took me a while to, uh, to to get the best out of me each time. So obviously that makes sense. Now, when you
1: talk about your, your physical conditioning, when you're saying, I gotta, I gotta change these parts of my surfing, how did you go about that? Is it, is it diet? Is it weight training? You know, did you try some things that didn't work and like, what, yeah. what was it for you that you, you started working on?
0: Yeah. So when I was 18 and, um, so. As I, you say, when I won, I was very small and I slowly start to grow up a little bit more. So when I was around 18, I started to be a little bit more, uh, I would say higher and I start to just lift weight and mm. put a lot of time in the gym for two years, two years, I was training just very hard physically and I always try to watch out on my diet, but I was not like, uh, very specific on the diet, but I always be careful anyway, but I'm not like a very, uh, psychopath about it. (laughs) But so I did a lot of weight training just to get my physical condition better. And then from there, when I start around 20, that's where I just, uh, work a lot more, my surfing aspect, like, Okay, now I got the physical, the surfing, everything. Now I put it all together to start to win and do better things. And I slowly start to clump the ranking back, get my confidence back, Mm. my tactic, my mental part. And that's where are the years that I got close to qualify, like 2014, 15, 16. That's the the years that I almost done it. Right. Yeah. And, and...
1: I think it was 2015 was, was correct me if I'm wrong, but that was your final year with Quicksilver. So signed when you were 11, yep. You know, won the World Juniors, did several years on the QS. And for a young man, right, signing with a company at 11 and having all those opportunities that you talked about, it probably, it feels like Quicksilver is almost part of your identity because it's happening at an important time in your life. You know, when, when that relationship ended in 2015, did, was that difficult for you, um, you know, or did you understand why?
0: Yeah, no, it was a heartbreaker. Um, obviously, the yeah. even the way they did it was pretty much, okay, um, we are going bad, the company is going bad, and we have financial issues, so it's not about it's not nothing personal it's just numbers so we just like taking this 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 out and i was like whoa like i was like thinking we just we are blowing up like 12 years of relationship working hard going somewhere yeah just because it's a line that you want to like shut down and i was like a bit like whoa like but the people that came up and did this were not the one that has been there for 12 years mm-hmm. so I was just against new guys that have a different opinion and they were just like, whatever took took, took this out. So it was a heartbreaker the way it happened. And it just took me a while to just stand up back from there. But especially um, after heat, when you you try to talk to the whole other brand and the surfing world and they are all a little bit like, or oh, maybe if Quicksilver put him down, maybe there's a reason or whatever, you know. Or they are thinking right, maybe right. your time is out. So all this kind of thing is like messed me around for two years to try to get it. Like I mean, I took two years to have another sp- sponsor and find my new one that that kind of yeah. save my my <laughs> career as well. But it's like uh, it takes on the mind for sure. Of course, you know, and and it's. I mean,
1: you obviously weren't the only one like Quicksilver had a very difficult time. I mean, arguably, they're still having a very difficult time, but certainly had a very difficult time in that window. And you weren't the only one that was being cut. And as you mentioned, it's the people who had set up all these programs were no longer there. And the company was kind of in the hands of different people. And it is a bummer because I've heard that from so many people where it wasn't even a conversation of, okay, well, okay, so maybe our arrangement isn't working out, but like, can we talk about making it better? Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I think yeah. a lot of people i have heard, they just went, no conversation. They're just like, nope, you're gone, we're moving yeah, on. Exactly. And, and as you said, it, it, it play, <laughs> so, plays on your mind because you go like, well, yeah. am I not... Good enough. No one's approaching me. I'm winning these events, or I'm, I'm still surfing really well. It's it, it's tough, and and now you have a, a great relationship, by all accounts, for with with deeply. Um, but that uh, happened after a couple of years of having to do it on your own. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah, I did two years on my own, and yep. so yeah, it, it's 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 what was pretty crazy because you you just I was getting there, and I was thinking we could gonna talk. And it was just a no conversation. And that's why it was pretty crazy. And obviously, you try to, like, rebound from that and still, like, fight hard. And then you start to see everything wrong in the surfing world. And I, I was oh. seeing, like, the, the judging bad, the, the surf world bad. I was seeing, like, the media was focusing on all the international and not the French or the Europe guy. So I was seeing everything wrong right. because of like right. few things like, you know, they get into your mind and you start to see mm-hmm. like the, the, um, when you see the, the glass is empty or yeah, half yeah. empty the or pes- half pessimism. well, you know, yeah. you see, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see the wrong side. So I was kind of like in this situation where everything was dark. And I, I, it took me like a few moments to just like, Settle back and Mm -hmm. realize like what I'm doing surfing for what I want to get on tour for. Is it for surf brand or is it for myself because I'm just enjoying surfing and it's something I'm dreaming of. And once I just settle all this back, I just like got the love to just compete, surf, get on tour because I want to surf perfect wave with no one out. And Mm -hmm. I want to, I'm dreaming of winning a world title since I'm a young age. And that's what I'm just doing all those things. And that's put me back on the track to walk even harder. And, and I saw like, maybe I was just not good enough yet. And I need to work much harder than what I did. And, and it put me there. And I think from there, I start to work better on my boards, work better right. on my surfing. It brings the sponsor back. I got support from Deeply and other brand, and and from there I start to everything got back together, and I slowly get back, and I got here. <laughs> well, and
1: and I mean, I, I will take my WSL hat off for a moment and just talk about surfing yeah. as a fan, and and I think you know, competition surfing is it's not perfect, but the thing I I love about it as a fan is it's. It's, it's objective in the sense of, hey, I had to watch that person surf in the live arena against that person and that person was better, you know? And it, it kind of cuts through a lot of the marketing hype and bullshit, whether it's the industry or magazines or social media, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, all that's yeah. fine and, and I get it and I like that stuff too, but it's like, for someone like yourself who maybe had a, a, a high-powered sponsor then didn't have any support, it doesn't mean you're not good enough because you could still go out and compete and beat people, you know. And so I think it, as hard as that may have been for you mentally, you can still say, I'm still good. Like I'm still better than these people and, and I'm just going to keep working on it and, and And support will come along. And I do think that that's one of the best things about competition surfing is that there's nowhere to hide, you know, where it's like yeah. you have to do it in the live arena. And that's a real as true a measurement of how, how you surf as, as really anything.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy because it's extremely hard to perform almost at your best every single time in the condition we have, but at the sure. same time, it puts your best uh, mental and hurts out of uh, everything because you have to put everything together together to make it happen. And in a way, Mm -hmm. uh, the competition is beautiful because it just push everyone to do your, to, to bring your a game all the time. And so there's nowhere to hide. And I felt like, um, the only way I could do it when I was watching myself and I was starting to have all this negative. thought. I was like, maybe I'm just not bringing something different than the others. Maybe I'm just like, surfing the same, not, I mean, no one is surfing the same, but sometimes people are having the same sort of lines and it's a bit repetition. Mm. And it's almost in a way, like if this guy is doing the same as this guy, what makes him better? Like it's almost the mm-hmm. same and we already have this guy doing it. So I was more like thinking, maybe I just need to bring something different. So I started mm. to walk more on different things that maybe it's more pleased to the eye. So I was like, okay, I have a different bottom turn than the others. I'm going to rock a, a little bit better on this line and I'm going to try to walk on different turns or different grabs and all this kind of thing. And, and try to like, get like a little bit attention from different things. And I felt like getting there in the competition way where was it was all because of the competition. I started to look at this way because I was like, we are comparing these guys to me. So how do I get on the different line instead of always doing the same? And it's all about the little different, which is hard to get, as you say, on the, sometime on a live moment. Right. So I just like look it differently. And from there, it helped me to walk a lot of things like to get better. Yeah. And that's from competition. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, I love it. Well, um, we're going to take one more quick break before our final segment yep. and we'll be right back. Hey, I hear you think podcasts are all about true crime, huh? Well, wise guy, the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts. We got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know. We got Bobby Bones, Big Boy, and Lou Later. We got SpongeBob binge pants and exotic erotic story time. We got Doughboys, Two Dudes in a Kitchen, Green Eggs and Dan. Hey, we got ElfQuest. We got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's Manduka.com code THE LINEUP1515. So so we talked about it. We, we are approaching the start of your rookie season. The first event is the Billabong Pro Pipeline. Um, Pipeline is a way that you're no stranger yeah. to. But, but one thing I did want to talk about is the, I think the perception of European surfers has been unfair for a long time. And I say that like yeah. Jeremy Flores qualifies, Joanne Defay qualifies, Mickey Picon qualifies, who, who, uh, you know, Tiago Parish and i think off,
0: people right, in america
1: yeah. people in australia exactly yeah in australia in america and hawaii some people had the perception that like well europe is beach breaks you know those are beach break surfers they qualified <laughs> on the qs those are beach breaks but there are heavy heavy waves in europe um and kind yeah. of i i won't i won't say hawaii powered waves but but very similar when you but talk about the canaries close, yeah. when you talk about madeira and and i think both i think all those surfers we listed but in particular you know jeremy flores and joanne de Fay, prove themselves to be standouts in really heavy reef breaks whether it's pipe chopu g fiji whatever it is yep. and i and i think they really change the way people think about european surfers and you know even having the pleasure of watching you surf over the last several years, whether it's in contests or in, in video clips, you surf some heavy waves, man. So, so I, I say all that to get your perspective on what do you think of that, number one. And then number two, how prepared do you feel personally for the first event at Pipeline?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Pipe. <laughs> the, this is a dream event. Um, I feel like um, it's strange because in Europe, the swells in the winter are very heavy, a lot heavier than what yeah. we get in the summer or in the autumn. And we get visits from all over the world pretty much in that time of the year. So people don't really know what winter is. But on the winter, when mm. it gets really, really cold and you have all this weight of the wetsuit, which is one thing, but the power of the wave that hits you, it's much stronger. So it's felt mm. like... We are a little bit more um, unexpected on the big stage because because they don't realize what it is to serve really cold, heavy waves. It's sometimes a lot scarier than reef because on the reef side, you have all these. Uh, you can go on the side way, on the channels. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. To, you're yeah. on the board short. The waves are heavy, but in a way, it's still like different. I mean, when I surf um, Bali and all the other places, a lot of places when I go, I just don't feel like it's that much of a deal. Like, but mm. it's more like where I grew up, reunion has a lot of heavy reef as well and very shallow. Like, I'm not afraid of shallow reef. I, I, I grew up having to deal like going over the reef and getting scar all the time, hitting my fins. So I, I feel like we are not scared of uh, dead bottoms or hitting headfirst and all this kind of thing. So I think um, we don't have this. We have this image of perfect beach break in Europe because of of right. France being so perfect on the perfect days. But when when you're from Europe, what we always always do on the winter is we move every single week or two weeks to a swell somewhere. And Mm -hmm. because like France is not going to be perfect for a month in a row. It's going to be perfect for two days in one month and all the other days are going to be straight onshore, raining, shitty surf, like the worst thing. So the first thing you do is look at the map and like where I'm going for like three days or four days. Because it's so close, mm. it's easy, it's like cheap. And we just go like Canaries for a week and go there for a surf trip. Then right. we go Morocco, then we go Portugal. Then sometime we can go Scotland on the square or Ireland. And we go to all those places so easily and so quickly it's that we surfed a lot of different types of condition. So it's like almost traveling to Australia all year long, like you're going to snapper or you're from snapper go coast and then you're flying to right. uh, margaret and you're going to score big slabs and then you're going to bells and you just do carves and like it's like doing that but every week on the winter of three months so all these places and like even mundaka is close to where i live so i drive to mundaka each time there's a swell so it's like a two-hour drive so every time there's a swell to mundaka i'm just driving if, if I'm in Europe, I'm just driving there. So you have all these places that have a lot of potential that we just surf that is super easy. So I think like, yeah, we are uh, a little bit unexpected on the big surf because we all picture just the beach break right. things, <laughs> but we just surf sure, all yeah, different yeah. waves all the time. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and that, I'd imagine, it must give you a a pretty high degree of confidence because, you know, as of the last couple of years, there's the mid-season relegation after championship tour event number five, right? So there's Pipeline, Sunset Beach, Super Tubos in Portugal, uh, Bells Beach, and then Margaret River. All pretty different waves. All big. None of which you would necessarily consider playful waves, like they're all kind of serious yeah, or, yeah. or sort of yes. um, heavy, heavy water waves. Right. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about those first five events? Like which ones are you looking forward to the most? Which ones, if if there are any, are you kind of saying oh, I'm a little bit concerned about that one? And then the way you approach those first five events are you thinking about the relegation or are you just not not trying to think about it and just surf your best?
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to answer first, the first question. Um, yeah. So the, the one I'm looking the most for is, is Pipeline first and Portugal. Um, it's mm-hmm. mostly uh, because it's going to be barrel events. Uh, I mean, we can get bars in Margaret and Sunset as well, but it's a little bit less, uh, like for sure. But obviously, Pipe and SuperTurbak should be like barrel events. So I'm pretty excited about that because we, we don't get much chance to get barrel events. Um, and I'm very excited about this, um, especially Pipe because it's such a mythical place and you don't get the chance to surf it with only two guys. Uh, in the water so this is very special and uh, obviously the cut is a high pressure thing but what I I really like about it like coming as a rookie like I have less experience than all the other guys but all the others, everyone is scared about the cut so that pressure can right. equal everyone going in the water so this is pretty cool actually <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's it's not an advantage for me but I, I have nothing to lose i'm just new on tour and it's almost like they are scared to lose their spot because of the cut and i'm here to get the spot so i'm not in a in this a, mean i'm not stressing about the cut i'm just here to perform and surf and i'm gonna check all the places, and I've been to all the places, so I know what to expect everywhere. And I just want to surf my best and and be smart in the water.
1: Makes sense. You you mentioned you know your partnership with Deeply. You know we love talking about surfboards on this podcast, and and you are part of the Channel Islands program. Um, you're at you're at Channel Islands Surfboards. That is such a long, uh, historic kind of company. Um, that's had maybe, arguably, many uh, more world champions than any other board builder in history. But in the last few years, they've been rebuilding their program. You know, they've had some people leave, they've had some people retire from the CT, and you're kind of part of this this new push with Channel Islands. And um, tell us a little bit about that. When did you start working with them? What kind of models have you been riding, and, and what are you what are you yeah. looking to carry into the first few events this year?
0: Um. Yeah. So it's really cool. Um, the CI family is pretty amazing. And, uh, I start to work with them. Um, I think it was 2017. So I was, I was, uh, surfing before I was with Euroglass with, uh, Christian Bradley and I was, mm-hmm. uh, riding my boards and then half of the years I was like feeling like something was wrong. And I start to look at, other boards just to try it out. And I end up like finding uh, some C boards and I just fell in love straight on. And I just slowly, uh, asked them to make a few boards. And every time I was getting a boards, every board was even better. <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. like, just in this feeling of, you know, when you get, I mean, everyone get a new board, gets so exciting. And I was having those crazy feeling like, Oh, I'm getting exciting. And and especially when it's Merrick, which is, I feel it's like the most prestige surf brand in the world. And I, um, end up going to the factory to meet the guys and, and try to see if they were okay to make my orders, um, and my boards. And I just bought some boards from there and I bought one of Sage Erickson boards. Um that was there and i just loved it and and it felt like my surfing just stepped up like straight away when i had that board and i had a lot of results and he had the crazy story about these boards being sage and i surf with it and and then since this i just been riding the same model which is the the, the fred robo and mm-hmm. and it's been just going like Really good in all kind of conditions, especially on the QS condition. Um, right. On right now, I'm just working on different rocker for the city because it's obviously different waves. Um, I've been riding a lot of the proton on the on the bar side uh, in Europe, so I was expecting to serve this rocker a little bit, and I've been trying a little bit of their CI Pro and some. Mm some other uh rook 15 as well so right now i'm more in the like testing progress as well so i'm gonna keep up the rocker that i love but at, at the same time i'm trying a few things just before the the year start and maybe during the year i'm gonna keep trying a few things so it's pretty cool to be to be part of it and i have that just for me i just look at dane and kelly my favorite surfer and tom curran and and knowing they have this equipment and I'm just writing, I mean, Kelly, I think won a lot of event with the Fred Robles model. So I was like, okay, this is Kelly's boards. I mean, there's nothing better right. than that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe there's We're, nothing better than that. Work for him. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it worked for him. Why not for me? I mean, so it was pretty uh, cool.
1: I, I like the logic, you know, um, <laughs> a, a month ago, or just about, um, Paul Evans wrote in STAB um, a very a very cool article on, on you, and, and it closed with him saying, um, you know, Max can't make up for lost time or right past wrongs, but having something of a score to settle, even with himself, can be a canny place from which to draw fire, and he, he, he quotes you as saying, most of all, I just want to show that I should have been there all along. Do you, do you, obviously there's probably part of you that wishes you'd qualified earlier, but you know, all that motivation of, of the 10 year buildup on, on the qualifying series and challenger series to get here, do you feel that that's made you a stronger surfer now that you're on the championship tour?
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I think surfing is a sport where experience is a huge factor and it's not only about, um, I would say, uh, it's experience, but I would say more, um uh, surfing experience. Like each time you're going in the water, you're experimenting something different and it feels like the more condition you surf, the more prepared you can adapt and use the right boards, the right, uh, maneuvers and all these kind of details. And I feel like nowadays, I'm more experienced and prepared to serve everything than I was when I was younger, where it could be more like, I serve a 10-foot pipe, and I'd be surprised, like, which wave to choose, and all these kind of things, where to sit, and all that, where I just face 10-foot pipe a couple times, so I know what to expect, I know what to do, and I know, so it's completely different, and it's the same, like, each location and everywhere I go, so I feel a lot more prepared now than what I could ever be before, and especially I feel a lot better on the eight space than when I was younger. I feel a lot better. I love it. Well, we did uh, we did reach out
1: to our social media community, people who follow us at, at the Lineup Pod on Instagram for uh, for questions. We got a bunch back. Um, yeah, we've, we've we've narrowed <laughs> down to three three for you. Um, okay. Nice. The first question <laughs> we have is from Yeah, it would save some time. Is uh, the first question we have is from Et Hen Love ZCJ, who asks, "What is the best animal experience you've had with surfing?"
0: The best animal, um, I met dolphin, turtle. <laughs> I don't know. I would say dolphin for sure. I mean, especially in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's nice. I mean, having, I mean, this is my
1: sub question. This isn't from the Instagram community, but having been around the world and obviously surfing in the union, have you had a lot of experiences with sharks in the water? No,
0: no, not at all. I mean, I'm touching my wood table. I'm touching my wood table right now, but I hope I don't. (laughs) I hope I will never face (laughs) one, but yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I could have, but, uh, it just never happened. But yeah, no, yeah. not at all. All right. I mean, next question. <laughs> oh, it's
1: all right. uh, next question is from at Dan JC 264, who asks is being the only French male competitor currently on the championship
0: tour more exciting or more scary, uh, more exciting for sure. I mean, I, I wish I was not the only one. But it is how it is, but, um, with the Olympics and all this, it's definitely exciting to be representing France and trying to be on the top of the map for France and everyone. So it's going to be really cool. I think the whole country and, and even really an island, the whole island is, uh, behind me and it's going to be very exciting. So it's more exciting. Next
1: question. The last question that we've pulled from uh, our Instagram community is from at CL4Yfish who asks, uh, well, says, firstly, congrats. Um, <laughs> what specific <laughs> goals do you have for your rookie year on the
0: championship tour? Um, it's, it's funny because I didn't put any goals specially, but I, I try to picture myself uh, to make a semis or a final in one of the first five event and then um and then try to if i can finish the year in top 15 that'd be great but we'll see whatever happens <laughs> i just want to surf well that's the main thing show my show my best it's a good goal what i can really do <laughs> that's a good goal yeah
1: right on well thank you to the uh the instagram community for those questions we are now down to our final segment it is the lightning round. Um, so here are 10 questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. Uh, first question. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? Thruster. Coffee or tea? Coffee burrito or pizza pizza last book you read
0: sorry uh last book you read oh last book i read um it's tony parker uh the title i don't remember it's about him (laughs) this is bio (laughs) cool uh best surf film ever Hmm
1: first chapter of then Reynolds mm. good one uh what is one wave you never have to go back to
0: <laughs> um so <a> hard one <laughs> this couple uh, <laughs> wow well. um sorry
1: you don't have to name uh, if you don't want to. You get to say, hey, I've got a yeah. couple.
0: <laughs> I don't want to name them. Just, I got a couple. Just any anywhere it's flat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, if you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, where would it be? Mm.
0: Chupo. Mm.
1: Best person to share a lineup with?
0: My mates. Hey, friends.
1: <laughs> Worst person to share a lineup with.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, anyone's snaking and hungry in the water. Good one. All right, last one.
1: Uh, finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by. Um, by surfing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Maxime Husano, thank you so much for coming on the lineup for our, our first episode of 2023. Congratulations on qualifying. Um, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and, uh, yes, yeah, safe travels between now and
0: Hawaii and um, I'll see you on the rock, man. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone, to have me and everyone listener, listening Um everyone asking on Instagram question and following me and I hope to Go show you guys all, all my best and make a good show for everyone. And thanks for your time. So that's it.
1: That's the lineups conversation with Francis Maxime Houssineau. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you tune in to worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app to watch the Sambazon WSL Junior Championships hosted by Best Western, which is streaming live this week from Seaside Reef in San Diego. And we are just a few weeks out from the start of the 2023 WSL Championship Tour season with the Billabong Pro Pipeline hosting the world's best surfers starting on January 29th. This season is shaping up to be bonafide clash of the titans on both the men's and women's sides. Do not miss it. Today's episode is produced by Miguel Clemente with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willing. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges as recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash and the Kumeyaay native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify.